0: Chapter 3, we're going to pick up where we were last week. And Lord willing, we'll we'll go ahead and finish four chapters in in four weeks. But you know, chapter 3 ended with the picture of God's mercy. (laughs) Verse number 10, God saw the works. You're talking about Nineveh who put on sackcloth and ashes and, and the king claimed it. Everybody needs to put on sackcloth and ashes and fast and even the animals. And and God saw their works. He saw that they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them. And he did it not. All it took was turning from sin. All it took was repenting, acknowledging sin against God acknowledging that the life I'm living is not pleasing to God, acknowledging that the things I'm doing is not pleasing to God, and, and turning from those things, confessing those sins and saying, God, please forgive me. And an entire nation of, of, of a million people, it says that God saw their works and they turned from the evil way and God forgave them. So chapter 1, <coughs> that was about Jonah. Jonah. It was about Jonah and his rejection of God's command to to go and warn the Ninevites. Chapter 2, that was about God redirecting his servant. That's about when when God's child says no and God says, we'll see about that. I have different ways. I have some ways that are kind of ordinary and I have some ways that are a little extraordinary. But I have all kinds of ways. And then chapter 3 was about Nineveh and Jonah... Running through Nineveh and we looked at it last week that he he sounded the alarm but then he didn't really sound the alarm. He just said yet 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. He didn't give them what God really said. He didn't give them the option. He didn't tell them about salvation. So they just threw themselves on the mercy of God. But chapter 4, the attention turns back to, to Jonah and his lousy attitude. Anybody in here as a Christian ever had a lousy attitude lousy attitude toward God lousy attitude toward other Christians lousy attitude because things didn't go my way well that that's what we see Jonah has got a lousy attitude chapter 4 verse (laughs) 1 it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was angry he is furious because God did not bring judgment on this nation He's furious because God did not annihilate these people and get rid of them. Now, we, we looked last week. We, we have one of the greatest testimonies of the goodness of God in all the Bible. He prayed to the Lord. I prayed to the Lord. is not what I'm saying. When I was yet in my country, therefore, I fled to Tarshish. Greatest testimony in the Bible of the goodness of God. For I knew. I knew thou art a gracious God. Merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. And repenteth thee of evil. Jonah better be glad he's right on that one. Jonah better be glad that he didn't miss that mark. That God truly is good and merciful and slow to anger. Therefore now, Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. But God, in all of his mercy, he simply asked Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry? A million people, not just saved from death in this life, but I'd venture to say saved from eternal fires of hell. Died in their sin, separated from God. A million people saved. Are, do, are you right to be angry? See, Jonah sees the Ninevites as the enemy, and indeed they are. They are the enemy of the nation of Israel. They are the enemy of the Jews. They are ruthless. They are cruel. I get that. They truly are the enemy. But but Jonah felt as though he had the right to judge him, He felt as though he had the right to judge another man. We, we don't have that right. See, Jonah, Jonah lost his, his perspective. He lost sight of this fact. God loves all people. He lost sight of the fact that God is the God that reaches out to whosoever not just to Jew not just to Jonah but all oh, he lost sight of God's mercy that that is extended towards anyone who will repent anyone who will turn from their sin we we have to be careful it's very easy to get to where Jonah's at it's very easy for us to become like Jonah it's very easy for us to begin to look at others. We talked last week about how, you know, will God be blessing so-and-so and they don't go to church, they don't do this, they don't do that, and I do this, and I do that. You're looking at the wrong benchmark. Nobody on this planet is our benchmark. Jesus Christ is the benchmark. And if you want to see how bad you're doing, compare yourself to the correct Benchmark. And no matter how good you thought you were doing, it won't take you long to realize you're not doing all that. So, so it's very easy to, to become like Jonah. Jonah. Jonah saw the sins of others worse than his own sins. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Jonah saw the sins of the people of Nineveh worse than the sins of the people of Israel. We're not going to get into this part of the study, Lord. willing. I just—it's not where I feel like we need to go right now, and that's not what we're not going to take that up next week. But Israel, at this point, is living in sin. They're not following God. They're not living in a repentant state. Ninevites do, and God blesses them. But yet, even though Israel is still over here and, and they're in this wickedness, He sees them as okay. But to the ones that repented, He sees that God should have brought. Judgment on them, Jonah became so focused on the sins of other people that he was able to overlook his own failures and and the failures of his own people, those in his own little group. So to Jonah, what God did was wrong. Anybody with me? For to Jonah, what God did is wrong. Now, Jonah thought it was wrong for God to forgive the Ninevites, but it was right to forgive him. We, we talked about it last week. He's the one that denied God. He's the one that rejected his, his instructions and, and ran from God, so I'm not going to do what If anything, it would appear that his sin would be greater because the Ninevites didn't know any better. But, but he felt that, that it was wrong for God to forgive them, but it's okay for God to forgive him. Jonah doesn't even ask God to forgive him. He, at no point in this story does he confess that what he did was wrong. And he did not repent. He did not return from evil way. He, he didn't back away from, from the evil in his mind. The Ninevites did. They repented and he thought God was wrong for forgiving them. See, Jonah loves When God is merciful to him. Go ahead and say thank you Jesus. We love when God is merciful to us. We love the fact that God is good to us. He loves the fact that God is so gracious and and merciful to him. But he doesn't think that the same grace and the same mercy should be extended to others. Because of what? they've done Jonah resented that God forgave the the Ninevites and and his resentment cost him some things resentment destroys our peace anybody listening resentment destroys our peace verse number one says that Jonah was very angry a million lives saved and Jonah is mad but he's not just angry he's angry at god anybody ever been mad at god before i can think of one time and i've told you a story before i ended up like Job. i went in and asked god you got something to say to me say it now i flipped my bible open to Job chapter 38 you've recently read 38 39 40 reading your bible through in a year and you know exactly what god told me who do you think you are where were you when i hung the moon on nothing where were you when i hauled out the oceans with my hand tell me in all your infinite wisdom if you can who spanned the heavens I God, whoop in. And that's because I was mad. make no mistakes about it. two and two-thirds in the morning I'm kicking rocks, I, I'm, I'm mad. So Jonah is not just mad. He's mad with God. And where there is anger, there is no peace. Where, where there's anger inside, there, there's, there's no joy in, inside. Resentment diverts our purpose. Jonah is a prophet of God He should have been celebrating the salvation of the souls of men He should have been celebrating what, what God has done And he should have been teaching the people of Nineveh About what God did He should have told the whole story Nineveh is going to be destroyed in 40 days If He left out the if If you don't repent He left that out He just, he just prophesied that hey, he's going to be destroyed He didn't tell the whole story But maybe Maybe if he had done his job Maybe if he had been excited about the salvation of the souls, maybe if he had gone and told Nineveh the truth about what, what God was going to do and then spend a little time and told them about the goodness of God and the mercy of God and, 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 and the gracefulness of God. And maybe he spent a little time there. Maybe a century later, we don't have the book of Nahum where they did give warning again and they didn't repent. And the nation that that whole place is destroyed so there's not even a remnant for where it used to be on the planet. Matter of fact, Lord willing, that's probably what we're going to study next when when God gives another chance. Nahum's probably where where we're going next. Because this isn't the end of the story of the Ninevites. It it resurfaces and and it doesn't have the same ending. But but, but we'll never know. We'll never know. Had God's man preached to Nineveh the way God sent him to and shared of the goodness of God and told him, you might have a different story a century later when Nahum comes along. The Bible might be written a little different. It might have a, a different prophet than Nahum. It might not have to have that story. See, Jonah was focused on himself and his people, himself and those that, that he liked. And now he's so mad that he thinks God is so wrong. Now, th- this, is, this, is, this is crazy to me. I know he believes in God's grace and God's mercy and God's goodness. He's so mad. He wants God to just take his life. But you know, he's got to fully believe in the mercy of God because he's offering to put himself on God's mercy. Just kill me. I'd rather face you than face them. I'd rather be with you than, than, than be with them. Aren't we glad that God doesn't answer every prayer? Anybody ever think back and you got some thank yous and some prayers that wasn't answered? That's a song, ain't it? Thank God for unanswered prayers. Uh Uh-huh. The country music bus coming out of us. Uh-huh. What is that? Garth Brooks. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We're finding out some stuff now. You know what? It don't change the fact. Pretty good song. It's pretty true. Thank God for unanswered prayers. I, I'm not. Is anybody here prayed some ridiculous prayers in your life? <laughs> and you thank God now that, that they didn't come true. Well, anyway, God, just, just kill me. Just kill me. I, I'd rather just take me out. And he asked one simple question. Doest thou well to be angry? According to the text. According, that's all I've got to go on is the text. But according to the text, Jonah doesn't even answer God. From, from what the text shows us, and, and the text is written by Jonah. God asked him a question, and, and Jonah ignores God. He puts him on his pouty little two-year-old face, and he went out of the city, and he sat on the east side of the city and made him a booth and sat under in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. He, he don't even answer God's question. God asked him, are you right? Do, do, do you do well to be angry and, and he just goes off in his little tantrum verse number six says that the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief so Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd in spite of Jonah's rotten attitude God blessed him. In spite of Jonah's pitiful disposition right here, God sent him help. And in the entire story, this plant is the only time you find Jonah happy. Nowhere else in the book is he happy. He's only happy right now. Why? Because God blessed him in spite of him. God gave him a shade in the midst of his anger because God did something for him. He gives him this little plant. It's the only time you find him happy. Everything else he's mad about. Verse number seven, God prepared a worm in the morning, rose up the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered. Now, the gourd is the only thing that made Jonah happy, but it's also the only thing that dies. In all of the story, it's the only thing that you see die. Nobody in Nineveh does, and and Jonah mercifully doesn't. But, But verse number eight, Jonah's talking to himself. It came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a behemoth east wind. The sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted, and he wished in himself to die, and he said, It's better for me to die than to live. Jonah's not talking to God, he's talking to himself. He, he's just murmuring and mumbling. Now, there's a lot of commentaries about this verse, and, and I disagree with a lot of them. I, I read a lot of them and talked about how he passed out and how he fainted and how he yada yada yada. I I I don't agree. With any of that line of thinking I can tell you why The, the word "fainted" right here comes from a Hebrew word That means to cover, to wrap, or to overlay I don't believe he passed out That's not what fainted means That's what we would use in the English term today But how many of you know the word today Ain't always exactly what they were back when they were translated So so it comes from a word That means he covered himself He he wrapped himself in his mantle He's trying to find some shade from the heat And, and, and from this this east wind That it talks about and, and, and then, and then he, he, he's talking to himself Well number one if he finally with me talking But anyway he, he, he's talking And all we have is the text And since the text is written by Jonah himself we, we, we have to assume But God in spite of Jonah's attitude Provides a shade for him Anybody here know that God has ever blessed you in spite of you? Matter of fact, pretty much every blessing we have is in spite of us. They're not because of us. They're just because God loves us anyway. So in spite of this, this anger towards God for forgiving other, God still takes care of Jonah. And even though the text says that Jonah is happy about the gourd, at no point does he tell God, thank you for it in the text. He doesn't tell God, thank you for the shade. Thank you for thinking on me. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your kindness. At no point does th- he say, he just, he, he sounds a lot like us. He's caught up in himself. He's caught up in his dissatisfaction with the way God's handling things, God. This is how things really ought to be. This is what you need to do. Anybody ever find yourself in that? This is what, God, this is what you should do. This is how I think you ought to handle this. And that's kind of where he's at. He's all caught up in how he thinks things should be handled there. And and in his eyes, everything has gone wrong. And, And to be honest, it's nobody's fault but his. He's the one that ran from God. He's the one that didn't listen. He's the one that said, just throw me in. I'm not going back. He's the one that caused himself to end up in the fish's belly. And he's the reason he's now deemed as a false prophet. He said, yet 40 days none of Nineveh shall be destroyed. And it wasn't. He made himself a false prophet. That's not what God told him to say. Had he told them yet 40 days none Nineveh shall be destroyed except ye repent. Now he's a national hero to Israel and to the Ninevites. Well, maybe not to Israel because they don't like the Ninevites. But he is to the Ninevites. So he's created a situation. He's created everything in it. Anybody know our situations are normally self-inflicted? And and, and so so, so he, he, he created this. Nineveh has been forgiven. Jonah's mad. The shade tree has died. He's angry with God. And then God shows up again just like the loving father that is. I was thinking today, there's a lot of... Relation to the story that Jesus told about the prodigal son <laughs> You know the, the the prodigal son It kind of is about the prodigal son But it's really not so much about the prodigal son The prodigal son that's a good part for us Because he took the father's money And he went out and he wasted it on riotous living And he found himself in the pig pen Eating uh, in the hog mire Eating the, the, the husk of corn that the pigs would have had And then he comes to his senses So it is a little bit about the prodigal son because it reminds us of us because normally we run and run and run and run and run and run and run run until there's nowhere left to run. Then we finally come to our senses. We didn't really come to our senses. We just ran out of options. And he says, rather than starve to death, my father's servants live better than this. They got good clothes and plenty of food. I will just go back to my father's house and be one of my father's servants. I'll be fine. But we know the story how the father ran and he fell on his neck and he kissed him and he, and he had him put the family robe on his back and put the family signet ring on his hand and, and he's welcome back in the family. But, but a big part of the story in there really, it is about the father's love, but it's not just the father's love toward the prodigal. There, there's a bigger object in there and that's his older brother. Because the older brother hears the music in the house, calls the servant over to find out what's going on. And he said, your brother has come home. Your brother is back. And your father has killed the fatted calf. And there's a party going on. They're dancing. There's music in the house. It should be, my brother is back. My brother is forgiven. My brother has come home. But it's not. It's hate, it's discontent, it's anger, it's bitter. And the father comes out and he's like, what are you upset about? I've been with you all this time. You ain't never killed a fatted calf for me. See, that's always all about me. I've been here all this time and he went out and wasted all that money on harlots. That's what he said. He went out and wasted that money on harlots. I've been right here. You ain't never done nothing for me. I don't know, where'd you sleep last night? And you got those clothes from where? And you ate how much food? And, and we got how much land? And, and I hadn't done what? See, it's very easy for us to forget how good God's been to us and all that we have because of one little something. And, and so even in, in the story of the prodigal, you see you see the father. I see, I see a lot of relationship about how the father overlooks foolishness. How the father overlooks greed. How, how the father overlooks, well, really just us. That's about the best way to say it. <laughs> Verse number nine <clears throat> God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And I ask him one time, Did you do good to be mad because I saved Nineveh? Now he says, Now you're mad about the gourd? Do, do, are, you, are you right to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even to death. Jonah said, yep, I got a right to be angry. I, I'm going to be angry till I die. The Lord said, thou hast had pity on the gourd for which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. God, God told Jonah, you, you didn't make the plant grow. You can't make the plant grow. You can put a seed in the ground, you can water, you can do stuff, but you can. I'm the only one that can make it grow. So, so you, you're, you're looking at something. And I made this plant just like I made the people of Nineveh. And you're upset about this plant. It sounds, sounds like a lot of Christians today. I just, you know, you, you, we get bent out of shape if, if we keep watering and try to take care of the plant there in the house that's supposed to be the pretty little centerpiece and, and it dies. Or our garden didn't do well. Or like this year, the muscadines didn't make. Do y'all like muscadines? Y'all walk around in the woods much? Them things didn't hardly make nothing this year. You starve to death if you're looking for them things. I can't hardly find none. I don't know what happened. So we fuss. We, we complain if, thing, if things don't go right in terms of a plant. And we fuss about little things. But, but yet our neighbors on every side of us are dying and going to an eternal hell. And that doesn't upset us. We're not bothered by the fact that we drive out on Sunday and all of our neighbors are sound asleep from their parties on Saturday night and kept us up half the night. And none of that really bothers us, but we're bothered because of the plant. It's that, that, kind, of, kind of the same thing. God, God says, you're worried about one plant. Should I not spare Nineveh that great city where there are more than six score of... Th- Y'all remember we peaked ahead at this in week one, right? This is the last verse we, we peaked ahead. There are more than six score thousand persons who cannot discern Between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle, 120,000 children, not to mention all the animals. And God says, what what have they done wrong? I mean, don't at least they deserve mercy? And, And the story ends with the question, should not God be merciful? Should not God show the same mercy to others that he's shown to us? Does Jonah ever repent? I don't know. Does Jonah ever say, I'm sorry for my bad attitude? I don't know. There's no proof. The the story ends. I I have some personal assumptions. More than likely, there's a good chance Jonah didn't ever forgive Nineveh. More than likely, there's a good chance he never got over that. He, he, He never called them bosom buddies and friends. More than likely, he... He may have never really gotten over his bitterness that God forgave them. I don't know. He, he may not have forgotten his, his judgmental attitude. But I do believe he got some things right. I, I do believe things clearly got right between him and God. And I can tell you why. Because he wrote this book. See, if Jonah don't write this book, Jonah's a hero of Prophets. Everything that Jonah prophesied about the borders of Israel and the expansion and and all all that came true. Everything that everybody else says about Jonah and all the things that he prophesied. If Jonah doesn't write this book, then Jonah's life's a great story. But because Jonah took time to write this book, we we have some things that, that nobody else. See, Jonah told us about running from God. But we'd have never known about it. Jonah told us about his dissatisfaction, his anger. We'd have never known about it. Jonah took time to tell us about his displeasure with God or or, or we would have never known about it. Jonah shares some things about himself that that nothing else in the Bible shares. and, And he shares a side of himself that's not particularly pleasing, especially from a spiritual perspective. He's honest about his thoughts, even his thoughts toward God. So the text, it doesn't tell us about Jonah's trip home when he goes home. It it doesn't tell us what what happens next. But but what it does tell us is how we need to be reminded of God's amazing grace. What it does tell us is that God can forgive a, a city of a million people lost in their sin... Living in wickedness, just like America. And God can forgive them. And God can forgive a spoiled, rotten brat, child of God. That think things ought to go his way and, and doesn't. We, we have all that but because Jonah wrote this book. See, at no point, at no point does the word of God ever try to hide the flaws of his heroes. Outside of Jesus Christ, where there is no flaw, you'll not find any of God's most used prophets or people without flaws. Noah had his drinking problem. Abraham obviously had a lying problem because he did it more than once. Sarah obviously had a faith problem. She she doubted that God could, could deliver with the children. David, well, he's got multiple problems. Adulter, murder. I mean, where does the list go? On, on and on, you you, you got issues. Elijah. Elijah fought with depression. Doubted God to protect him from one woman after he called down fire from heaven. They, they all have their issues. Jeremiah had suicidal faults. Dealt with them in his life. See see, all of God's prophets you, you find that they all got issues. God doesn't hide them and, and so if we don't have the book of Jonah we may not have everything we really needed about Jonah. But Jonah took time to tell See it is Jonah's Honest testimony that allows us to see God's grace. It is the honesty in his story that lets us see God's mercy. That's why I I believe Jonah probably got things right after this. Because he took time to sit down and write and and tell us. Warren Wearsby's commentary says, Jonah had more than one lesson to learn. Perhaps the most important lesson of all is in chapter one. He learned about God's providence in God's patience, he learned that you cannot run away from God. Chapter 2, he says he learned a lesson about God's pardon. He learned that it is God's desire to forgive those who will call out to him. That's just, that's just a backup to the New Testament, Second Peter 3, 9. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That, that's what this book shows us is the goodness of God and it's God's will that, that all come to repentance. Chapter 3, he says that he learned a lesson about God's forgiving power as he saw God forgive an entire wicked city because they humbled themselves before God. I, I, I think that's part of the big problem in America right now. It's not just the sin. It is the, the unwillingness of, of God's people to humble themselves. You know, I know I say, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, a lot of my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. It comes before pray, and it comes before seek my face, and it comes before turn from their wicked ways, and then I'll forgive their sin. If the first thing they got to do is humble themselves, I, 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 think, I think that's a big part of the problem we have. And, and then he goes on in his says, In chapter 4, Jonah learns about God's pity for man And his desire to save them. God has compassion on sinners. Even the Ninevites. Even Jonah. God used Jonah to witness to people. To to warn a people that that he doesn't even like. And, And God saves the entire city. See, you and I as children of God. It's not our job to look on people with judgment. It's not our job to to judge our neighbors or or judge how other people are living or judge their lifestyle. The apostle Paul tells us, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, of such were some of ye. Liars, extortioners, adulterers, drunkards, he, he names, all that stuff. He says, of such were some of ye. I don't really know why he said some. I really don't. I don't know why it doesn't say of such for all of ye. Uh, unless anybody in here is just like perfect and you don't fit that. But, but Paul, Paul made it clear that, that God saved us not because of us. He saved us in spite of us. God loves us not because of us. He loves us in spite of us. And and that's what we see there from from Jonah. So last week we I I read this little bit right here that I wrote to sum up, and and I'm gonna sum up the the book of of Jonah with this because the truth is, it's, it's our job to love people. God loves people, and we all are thankful that God loves people. God hates sin. Amen. But he loves the sinner. And if the sinner will turn from the sin, then God will save their soul. They're, they're no different than us if they haven't been saved. The only difference is just that, that, that they haven't been saved. But, but we're, we're to love people the, the way God loves us. So anyway, last week I finished up. I said, what, what more proof do we need that Jonah's statement is completely true? God is a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repenteth of evil. We have a hallelujah shout and running spell right about there. Because that, that's why we are who we are. That's why we can call ourselves redeemed, forgiven, justified, sanctified, set free, ransomed. Free of guilt, free of sin, free of shame, children of God. All all of those things are because God is a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, of great kindness, repenteth of evil. God God could have said uh, of Jonah, it's a lot easier for me to give Nineveh than you. Because you're one of mine. You're the one that looked me in the eye and said, I'm not doing that, Daddy. You get somebody else to go, to I'm not doing that. So it seemed like to me, probably took at least as much, probably more mercy to forgive that than to forgive Nineveh that was just ignorant in their sin. But, but God asked him one simple question. Why are you angry? Basically, should I not have done for them what I did for you? Should I not extend the same kind of mercy to them that I did to you? Should I not give the same kind of grace to them that I did to you? The, the book closes with that statement from God. You, you had pity on one little plant. Should I not spare Nineveh? And we're, we're done, but this, this, is, this is where I closed last week. And, and I think it's the best close of the book. I need to thank Jonah for reminding me of how merciful God is. I need to, I need to thank Jonah. When, when, when I get to heaven, I, I need to, after about a million years of thanking Jesus, I need to hunt up Jonah. And, and I need to thank him for being man enough to sit down and write a book about his failures. I need to thank him for being man enough to sit down and tell me about how bad he did things. And reminded me of how merciful and graceful God is and, and how slow to anger God is and how willing to forgive God is. Because I really ain't got to look at Jonah's life to see how merciful God is. I can see it in my own life. I can see how good and kind and loving God is in my own life. But sometimes it's easy to forget it. And you look at the story and you're reminded of, hey, God's been just as good to me. As he was to him. As he was to them. And everybody else deserves the same kind of mercy he's given me. God thank you so much for being so good. Thank you for. God truly mercy without measure. God love without limitations. God a a grace that has no ends to it. God thank you for long suffering. That is beyond our, our ability to even understand. Thank you for loving us in spite of us God. Lord, we truly do love you. We tell you in one accord. Lord, I pray your blessings on this group of people. Lord, I pray you'd make us usable vessels. I pray you'd put a hedge of protection around every family represented in this place. God, I pray you'd take us and use us in a lost and dying world. Help us, God, to reach our surroundings, to change our surroundings one soul at a time by telling them about the goodness of God and the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.